Hi, Emily. Hi. <gasps> We're here. It's been a while. Um, yeah. I assume I bet people thought that we died. Ghosted and died. Yeah. I mean, Fair. honestly, um I know us and whenever if we ever stop doing this podcast, I mean, if like we're going to be in a nursing home still doing it, yeah. but like if we ever stop doing this podcast, it might be in a ghosting way. Yeah. <laughs> like we might disappear yeah. <laughs> because sometimes shit be happening. Sometimes shit be happening. Yeah. We're but, very busy people. Yeah. But we did not abandon. We did not abandon. Um, Not on Shockingly. purpose. Yeah. No. Um, We were just busy. Yeah. Doing a whole ding dang thing. And if you didn't see, you should check out our Facebook or our Instagram because I posted pictures. Yes, those are fun pictures of us. We're so cute. Emily and I got to be in the same show together. We did, in the same cast. Yes, it was very cool. Um, we did Lizzie the musical. Yeah. Emily was fucking Lizzie. So I she gets to murder, murder people and sing great. really high. Emily will never not be critiquing her own performance. Yes. But she did a really good job. That is how I roll. Yes, that's fine. I yeah. get it. But like, also, it was it was really cool, and I yeah. do think that like and everybody, you killed it. Every, so, fuck oh off, my god! So did you? <laughs> if I'm al- if I killed it, then you killed it. God we, damn it! We had some cool we had some cool scenes together. We did. We had cool songs together. Yeah. We got to Taylor sing. drew a death rune. I did. I drew a death rune. Uh, yeah, it was like a four person cast. Uh, it was really cool. The other one is our friend Michelle. Well, like she was in the cast as well. She's been on this podcast a couple times. Mm-hmm. We recorded our in last Halloween. Episode. Halloween one, yep. Um, yes, and then um, a girl named Katie who is amazing, and I yeah. am so glad who that listens we to us. Yes, hi Katie. Hi Katie. Shit, I Ooh. forgot about that. Yeah, we met several people who yeah. listen to or started Maddie. listening to. And hi Maddie, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> like I, it's not that I'm not excited to have listeners to our podcast. It's wonderful, it's but just, it always it's weird meeting me out. <laughs> oh yeah, our director also listens. Oh fuck. Hi shit, Mary Kate. Right. Hi Mary Kate. <laughs> Damn it. It's like it's we, so many people. We can't have I. I'm like, I have the yips and nobody's here. <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> uh, but we are back. We are here. We have a drink. You know we do. I got mini fish bowls. Like maybe, oh, they're definitely over half the size of a regular fish bowl you'd yep. get at a bar. Yep. They're thick. Thick. They're thick boys. Um, they say great minds drink alike because everything has to be corny. Yep. And I actually love it. Yep. Um, they had ones that said other things, but I grabbed these. I like these. And what's in them is crazy. Um, um, it's my version of a fruit punch fishbowl. Mm-hmm. So it's got the Jack Daniels fruit punch. So there's probably a bit of whiskey in here. And then I put rum and a hunproof vodka. Hunproof vodka. <laughs> and then fruit <sighs> punch juice and ice. I mean... I'm re- we haven't tried it yet. We're I want to try it. it. If you're just constantly hearing ice jiggling, it's because of these fish bowls. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, it's good, but it's... Oh. I can tell it would fuck me up. Whew. Will fuck me it up. It burns a little. It, 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 it's the hundred proof, M. <laughs> you didn't even... She put maybe a shot worth in there. It's mm. enough. You can taste it. So I did the shot count for the pour, but I don't have the nozzle. Oh, you were just using a right. I don't think it works then. No, if you don't, if you're not using the nozzle, the shot pour is not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one two. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> you can definitely taste it. I th- I would say it's vodka forward. I'm not sure I'm getting much rum, but that's fine. We brought more rum over here, in case we need it. Yep, along with margarita mix in case it was too sweet. I don't think so, though. No. I don't think it's too sweet. I don't sweet. think it's too sweet. Yeah. I think we're good. Yeah. So. Let me tell you the story of what happened when I got these. <laughs> yes, please. So I went to the store, and I was picking up some other stuff for the balcony, because I made a little tent, because both Taylor and I 
abhorrently hate spiders and they like to hang out on the roof of the, the the building that hangs over our balcony so i don't go out there ever i just don't but it's beautiful and we've got a view of the bluffs and there's a really nice park it's really nice yeah so i got a little like mini shelter to protect me from the spiders and then like a little rug and some chairs and a little watermelon tray and it's just gonna be really nice and so we were out there and then when i was getting all of that i saw these and i was like oh shit okay and part of, you know, being on a balcony in Wisconsin is it gets really windy when it storms and shit can go flying. So I also got zip ties to attach it to the balcony. Very smart. The guy who was checking me out immediately, like, this was the first thing. And he picked him up. He's like, are you sure about this? <laughs> who the fuck is this? Right. <laughs> like, I don't know No, you. hello. <laughs> no, <me>. like, <laughs> how's it going? Great day isn't it to be clear for the listener he he looked at the fish bowls yep. and was like are you sure yep he held them up he's like are you sure about this and then he picked up the zip ties oh it <laughs> was like so is this for if somebody doesn't want to drink with you because you're getting two <laughs> i thought he was gonna go straight up kinky i'm glad that he didn't i get... almost did yeah <laughs> i was almost like no zip ties isn't what i'd use to hold somebody down yeah I didn't say that, thank God. Not somebody God. who doesn't actually want to be held down. No. <laughs> so, yeah, that was like the kickoff of our conversation. It's, I just don't, I hate it when people comment on what you're buying. Yes. Because I, unless it's like really like, oh my God, I love these. Yes. Then that's kind of cute. That's what I used to do when I was in college and I worked at Target. It'd be yeah. like seeing things and be like, oh my God, this is great. People at Target do that all the time. Yes. I think that's like a Target thing. Yeah. I feel like I never get any comments except there. Yes. But people are always like, oh, my God, I love these. What do you yep. think of them? Like, that's mm-hmm. it. That's all. That's all I want. I don't yep. want to hear that you think I might be tying somebody down because I bought zip ties. The only time you're allowed to say something is if there was also duct tape yep. and like a hatchet. And a tarp. And, and a tarp. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a gag of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's it. That's the only time. Yep. So, yeah. That's upsetting. Can I Please. tell you about yes. a, so I watched a movie. I told you that you need to watch it. Mm. Watched a movie with our friend Macy and my husband Jake. Um, we were looking for kind of a scary movie. I really, this worked out because I really didn't want any gore. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't feeling it in that moment. We yeah. were eating and I just didn't, oh, I wasn't yeah. into it. You have to be um, in the mood for that. Right. So psychological scary was really mm. kind of more appealing to me. And Macy was looking on Letterboxd, I think, and was like, this movie Creep has good reviews. And creep. Watch it. Go watch it right now. Pause this. <laughs> Pause this. Don't. <laughs> and go watch it. And then come back. And then come back. I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to watch it. Yes. Um, but it is. There's two people in this fucking movie. Oh. And it's all like sort of handheld camera found footage type of thing. Uh, and it's just really creepy and upsetting. But also really uncomfortable in like a funny way. Good. Um, one of the reviews that Maisie found was said it was like if The Office and the Blair Witch Project had a baby. Because <laughs> it is so uncomfortable up until the moment. It is terrifying. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I love it. Okay. Yeah. You, please watch it. Yeah. Kat and I watched Men. Oh, fuck. Which oh, is also movie. weird. Oh, um, I can't believe you watched Men and didn't tell me. <laughs> We saw it in theaters. So did we. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so crazy. The last, like, 20 minutes. Unforgivable. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if you go see that, don't have dinner plans after. No. Because you you're going to need some time to process the fuck you just watched. Well, your stomach needs to settle. Like, it's just yeah. 
horrifying and gross yeah. for like 20 minutes straight. Yep. It does not stop. It does not stop. It's disgusting. It just, it's a literal chain reaction. <laughs> I will say, <laughs> I, I sound now like I only hang out with my husband and Macy. That's not true. But we, we saw that movie together as well. Like yeah, we just happened to a few uh... weeks back. <laughs> Macy leaves the theater and is like, well, thank God. Finally, a movie for the girls. <laughs> That's what we've been asking for this whole time. Yeah, I mean, Man. anything A24 related is at some point going to get really weird gross. And, and really gross. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so true. Yeah. It's it's an interesting movie. It's interesting. We did not, we could not decide if it was good. We literally Same. sat I still there don't like, know. I don't know. I still don't know. Yeah. I think everything up until the last 20 minutes is actually I. Right. Yeah. Um, but. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That like almost ruined it for yeah. being so terrible. I'm still like thinking about it, which I think is a yeah. victory for you, them. You can't let men go. No. You just can't. <laughs> Please, no. Maybe watch men. Maybe. maybe walk into men with the knowledge that something is probably going to be triggering. That's very they possible. do not pull any punches. Anyways, the ending is crazy. Anyway, yeah. um, uh, all right. Hey, um, Ooh. we're here. We're here. We should say it's the 4th of July at it time is. of recording. Fuck America. <laughs> That's legitimately like I I came to your house. I was eating the burrito I wanted to eat so that I could drink more at your home. <laughs> um, and I looked on my phone and the first thing was that there was a shooting during a 4th of July parade in a suburb of Chicago like yep. an hour and a half ago. Yep. We just want, I think we just wanted to point out like we're not here to celebrate <clears throat> America on this one. No. That's in not fact, what we're doing. In fact, I am about to shit on America. Good. Let's same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's um let's go back. Let's to nineteen fifty. Yeah. No, wait. <laughs> no, I don't wanna <laughs> yes, never mind. Wait, no. No, J- no JK, JK. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Um Welcome to Hell. Welcome to Hell. Now, now that we're in, in here. here. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it cool? <laughs> it's a full nightmare. It's a full nightmare. Buckle <laughs> the fuck up. I'm going to start with a pamphlet. Okay. This is not my wording. Okay. This is from 1950. Okay. The average feeble-minded parent cannot be expected to provide good heredity, a normal home, and intelligent care, to say nothing of the many other things needed to bring up children successfully, like running a train, teaching school, or handling money. Oh, the oh job God. of parenthood is too much to expect of feeble-minded men and women. Feeble-minded is such a loaded term. <clears throat> yep. Also, I know that this is about eugenics because you <laughs> said that, but I even did. if I didn't beforehand. I like, needed to double check because yeah. when you sent me the picture of Kaushik, I saw a doctor. I'm like, uh-oh. Yes. Are we doing the same topic, which is yeah. a very broad topic. It is. I mean, we... Just full disclosure, we wanted to do some Roe v. Wade oh, yeah. answering stuff. But I think neither of us wanted to do Woman Survives Terrible Abortion. Correct. Like, I did not want to do that. No. Um, simply because, no. No. Ouchies for my heart and brain, <clears throat> and ouchies for everyone that has to listen to it. We think we understand, like, collectively, yeah. this was this is terrible. Yeah. It's really bad. It's really bad. Um, you're here to basically talk about the when the government was had the reverse yeah. idea because <laughs> what was happening was i was seeing on facebook of people being like well men should just be forced to get vasectomies because those are reversible and i was like oh <laughs> oh you guys don't know yeah we're, oh let's talk about eugenics that. and when this did happen yeah, we did do that sometimes we did up until i think i 
put the date in here, like 1970 something, and then it was still happening in California prisons up to like 2010. Now, what I started with was a pamphlet that was um, extolling the benefit of selective sterilization, um, published by the Human Betterment League of North Carolina in 1950. Let's talk eugenics. Ugh. If you could have picked a wor- like you picked a worse topic, arguably, <laughs> almost. It, it is honestly, it is just the reverse. Well, and actually, not necessarily, oh. because there's a lot of theories out there, and there are books that have been written and statements that have been made that the reason that we're really pushing for banning abortions is because the number of people using abortions are white. Like, the majority of people getting abortions are white. Therefore, the white race is being decimated through abortions, and that is not allowed. It's not black people that they care about having abortions. No, it's the the white people because mm. they're about to become the minority in America. (laughs) And they've never been a minority, not once in their lives. Not even one time. Not even one time, one time. (laughs) And they don't know what to do when it is not all about them. No. So. No one's ever told me what to do what to do emily no i know i know <laughs> how you've always had the freedom of choice yeah well kind no. of <laughs> it depends on, it depends but mostly yes <laughs> yeah you know um so eugenics what is eugenics what is it uh, emily so, oh my God. <laughs> i'm using this word it is the study of how to arrange reproduction within a human population to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable so basically, the white people were like, hey, we like being white. We think white people are really smart. Let me do some craniotomy, blah, 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 whatever the fuck that was, craniometri- craniometry. Ugh. I put it in my notes because I knew Ugh. I would fuck it up. But also, who cares? It's not science. And let's measure the skulls and see how white people's skulls are further away from animal skulls, whereas black people's skulls are closer to animal skulls, so they're less intelligent and their forehead shapes are undesirable compared to these European forehead shapes. Therefore, white people are going to be superior. And this is why we need to then procreate as white people and stop the black people and indigenous people and any other race of people and mixed race people. Right. So eugenics being like the practice yep. of of furthering some genetic lines and 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 stopping yep. some genetic lines based on their yep. non-desirability which and is a then word. you know with eugenics the nazis then oh, took yeah. that and ran with I it i think that's where most people would know eugenics yes from, is nazism so it's the nazism it's so the it's murder right no now the eugenics movement and racist beliefs led to the involuntary sterilization of women of color Persons with disability, prisoners, and indigenous people in the U.S. in the 20th century. Hmm. And um, a lot of the sterilization continued in many, many states mm. until the 1970s. And one of the forms of this was coerced sterilization. Isn't it? No. Oh. Just thinking about So it's just <laughs> sort of like you're, people are technically consenting, but they're being coerced right. into it. Yep. They're told it'll wear off or they aren't fully told what's happening or that like they're just doing a thing and it's going to be fine. They're just not even told. What and this doing. happened a lot with indigenous women. So there was no free and informed consent and a law had to be passed to make sure you were being told exactly what was being done to your body. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. 
In August of 1964, mm. the North Carolina Eugenics Board met and decided to decide if a 20-year-old black woman should be sterilized. Um, her name was redacted from the records, but um, they've given her the name Bertha because you should always have a name of some form. It humanizes people. Yeah. Um, so she was a single mother with one child who lived in the segrega- uh, segregated O'Berry Center for African-American Adults with Intellectual Disabilities mm. in Goldsboro. According to the North Carolina Eugenics Board... Bertha had an IQ of 62 and exhibited, quote, aggressive behavior and sexual promiscuity. Let's just say real quick that an, the IQ measurement means nothing. It means absolutely it's, fucking nothing. It's not scientific. It never no. was. Nope. And I'll get into that. Yeah. Um, she had been orphaned as a child and had limited education. Shocker. Mm-hmm. Wow. People oh. of color not having access to quality education. Weird. And then us just assuming that they're, like, feeble-minded or whatever, right. I suppose. And then because of her low IQ score... She was determined that she was not capable of rehabilitation. She could not be taught how to be a person. She's not smart enough to be capable of taking care of herself. Right. Great. So, the board recommended the, quote, protection of sterilization for Bertha. They're calling it the protection yes. of sterilization. Okay. Because she was unable to assume responsibility for herself or her child. She was not allowed to have any input and instead her guardian, who I would assume is probably a white either woman or man, mm-hmm. just signed off on it. I was like, yeah, go for it. Uh, is her guardian? That's like, that wouldn't be the way. Like, usually no. you're, if you have a legal guardian, it's somebody you're related to. Right. And she foremost. was 20. Ooh. So now, but that might have just been somebody in the facility right. who was speaking for mm-hmm. her. So more than 60,000 people were sterilized in 32 states. Thanks to eugenics. Um, nearly all of the laws have been repealed. Nearly? Mm-hmm. Uh, in Washington State, a version of the law still remains on the books. I have to assume that they're not utilizing it's, uh, it. Well, so. who knows? They might pull a Wisconsin, and I mean, as soon as abortion gets passed, we get a 19th century law coming back well, into action. that's the problem with yep. leaving the laws on the books. Yep. you got to get rid of them if you, you don't want to. have to get rid of them. Otherwise, people can use them, cite them. It's Yep. Yeah, it's <laughs> not good. Get them out. Uh-huh. So, from 1937 to 1966, black women were most likely to be forcibly sterilized in North Carolina, and shockingly, desegregation coincided with a dramatic increase in the rate. What? What? I don't know what you mean. We're allowed (laughs) to be in the same pool? Oh, no. (laughs) They can use our toilets. Oh, no. Oh, no. We need less of them. Those water fountain babies. (laughs) We need less of this type of person as fast as possible. All right. (laughs) Yeah. um, Then there was the next group of women was white women, which was more the lower class, poorly educated or disabled or handicapped as soon as we yeah as soon as we get through racism then we're on to ableism and classism always yep like oh yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah and then it went to black men and then white men and again it's just you know classism ableism race. crazy yes. also that it's women first even oh. white women before oh. black men so this is where my graph comes in and it's like you have like this low trickle of the black and white men at the bottom and then you've got a kind of 
spike of white women that then goes down uh-huh. whereas the black woman just keeps going up, up and, and up. up and up and up and then just keeps going until it shuts down because the laws got passed you also gotta wonder if like maybe even then they knew a vasectomy is reversible sometimes mm-hmm. even on accident yeah. yeah so like sterilizing women is more effective it is yeah fuck that yep fuck that shit yep it's it's great uh indiana was the first state to pass a eugenics law Woo, Bible Belt. Man, Indiana. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> hey, just want to say, Indiana is the worst Midwestern state. And it we is. all know it. And we it feel is. it in our hearts. <laughs> the South can take it. It doesn't need to be in the Midwest. No. <laughs> we don't want it. Go away. Go away. Also, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, please also take Ohio. Terrible. And, like, half of Illinois. <laughs> you know which half. You, you know, know which it. half. It's the one with all the sundown towns yep. in it. So... 1907, Indiana passed the first law, and it was providing the involuntary sterilization of, quote, confirmed criminals, idiots, imbeciles, and rapists. Idiots and imbeciles is not a fucking scientific term. It absolutely is. What? You know, (laughs) men who were viewed as criminalistic were supposedly defective because they masturbated or they were homosexual. Oh, my God. Also, putting that right next to rapists. Like, yep. actual criminals. Yeah. Like, cool. That's fine. Oh, my God. I, I want to die. I mean, I knew uh, that. I knew yeah. that coming into your house today. Yeah. I knew this would feel yeah. this way. There is a lot of information out there, and there's other stories out there if you want to look into the history of it. So, let's talk about something... A, li- a little more uplifting. When you can't say it, um, <laughs> like, then I don't trust it. <laughs> so there were two people uh-huh. who really helped bring the practices of eugenics and forced sterilization to light. Okay. Minnie Lee and Mary Alice Ralph. Hello. I have pictures of them. I will show you. I love Minnie and Mary, right? Yes. Love them. So, summer of 1973, this is not the light. Oh, fuck shit. We're in Montgomery, Alabama. Okay. This is super not the light. Okay. Minnie Lee and Mary Alice were taken from their home and sterilized against their will without the informed consent of their parents by a physician working in a federally funded clinic. Wait, so they're related? Yeah, they're sisters. sisters. Their parents didn't even know. No, their parents did not consent. How did that happen? They're black. Oh, well, that's... Yep. Still. So, oh, my God. And where did some of this federal funding come from? I'm so glad you asked. I didn't, actually. <laughs> Medicaid. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Medicaid. That gets my me my her prescriptions. I don't want to be upset about it. I know. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so, their case, because they did file a lawsuit mm-hmm. after a lot of help, Good. I mean, yeah. How old were they? I'm so sorry. Because they were teenagers. They were young. Oh, my God. It's like barely even birthing age, I imagine. Um, So their case would change the course of history um, with a lawsuit that was filed on their behalf. And it helped reveal more than 100,000 mostly black, Latina, indigenous women who had been sterilized under U.S. government programs over decades. Holy shit. It also officially ended the practice and forced doctors to obtain informed consent before performing sterilization procedures. Wow. 
So part of what helped bring this to light, um, there was a 30-year-old black social worker named Jessie Bly who was working in Montgomery, Alabama when she received a call from a local city councilman in 1972. Um, and there's a lot of information about her. I definitely would say go check her out. Mm-hmm. Um, councilman had asked her to take a ride with him to a black community in Montgomery called Flatwood, which... If you've studied anything for civil rights or anything, you, you recognize the name of the town of Flatwood. Mm. So Bly quoted, um, like, hey, why, what, what kind of family? And the councilman just told her, trust me, in the day that we're living, I never thought that we would see anything like this in the United States of America. Oh, damn. So they made it to Flatwood, and Jesse was absolutely shocked by what she witnessed. Quote, I was waiting to see a house, but I never saw one. What? So the Ralphs, which was husband and wife and six children, were living as squatters in a field, (gasps) sheltered in a shanty built from cardboard boxes. They had no running water and no electricity. Oh, my God. Yes. Quote, I was really taken aback because I couldn't believe that anybody would be living in those conditions, but they were. I mean, oh my God, yeah. Like, that's not what you expect at all. Yep. So, the teenage girls, there was Katie and then her two younger sisters, Minnie Lee and Mary Alice. Um, The youngest was physically and intellectually disabled. She was born with an automatic amputation, so Mm. the umbilical cord had wrapped around her right arm. Oh, So, she had no hand. So, like many black families at the end of the Great Migration of the 1950s and 60s, Lonnie and Minnie Ralph, who were the parents, were both illiterate, had been forced out of rural Macon County, Alabama, because the jobs in the fields, because, you know, after slavery ended, technically, black people were free, but mm-hmm. a lot of them were still working the fields. Yeah, because it's the only job they Because it's would the only them. job they'd ever had, and it's mm-hmm. the only thing they knew, yeah. because education was not a thing, right. and it was still not a thing being offered to people of color. Right. Um, but then when all of the farm machines started to come to light, they didn't need they didn't need them anymore. Yeah. When nobody's trying to then give a black person a new job. Correct. That's, no one's worried about that. Yes. So Lonnie had the father had been able to find a job, but he was unfortunately injured in an accident at this job oh, no. and was no longer able to work. Fuck. So the director of the Montgomery Housing Authority arranged for them to live in a three-bedroom apartment in Smiley Court, which was a public housing project. So, thankfully, they were able to get out of the shanty and into an apartment. Good. That's what the housing authority is supposed to do. That's what it's supposed to do. That's good. We like to hear that for once. On a more rapid basis than, you know, years. So, I doubt, like, everyone's seen that that viral, the woman who got her housing voucher 25 years after submitting it. Fucking insane. Um, So... Because they had a social worker now of mm-hmm. Jesse Bly, she mm-hmm. was able to then take them to Salvation Army and Goodwill and put out the call for donations for linens and cooking utensils and get them furniture and other household items. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the beauty of social workers and having this network of facilities. Like, this is what I work in. Right. You ha- you have connections. You can make the calls and get the things. Right. This is what is supposed to happen. Yeah. This, it's the point of the system. <laughs> the system doesn't exist if we're not helping people. Yeah. So 
Jesse taught Minnie, who had been used to just basically cooking on an oil burner, how to use the stove yeah. and just rudimentary housekeeping oh my God, things. Imagine these kids who have they been did not know so how to live. Yeah, they'd never been right. in a home. Correct. Before. Like crazy. So oh. no, they would not pass an IQ test because they've never been given the opportunity to learn. Imagine the context of all of the questions you're asking. Right. Like they literally don't know what a stove is. They're not going to know a lot of the words like, right. and, and what the context is behind them. They also knew nothing about hygiene. Mm. They've never had running water. Mm-hmm. Who was going to teach them So how? that was the beauty of the social worker. Yes. Because that's of like, what she's there to do. That is what she is there to do. That's nice. To show them how to wash and care for their bodies. Mm-hmm. And then she got the two older daughters enrolled in public school. Good. So then she then took Mary Alice to a pediatrician who specialized in developmental disabilities for evaluation. He then declared her mentally incompetent, not teachable, but trainable. Whoa. What does that mean? Like, you don't get to learn higher learning things. You don't get to learn concepts. You get to learn yep. a trade yep. if we want that for you. Yep. fucking bullshit which is learning a trade great yes Yes, but it should be your choice yes you the problem with a hundred should be both is the choice to do it or not there should be education (laughs) learning is also a skill that these people just haven't learned yet like they haven't learned how to learn and somebody looked at them and said well you can't yes instead of saying like okay you might have some catching up to do right oh my god so there was a school um the McGinnis School for R-Word Children. Oh. Um, and Jessie does blame herself. Like, she still has regrets on oh. taking them to the pediatrician because it put them in the sights of the government-funded programs. She's taking them to the doctor. Yes. They should be, like, looked after and shit. Yes. So <laughs> they were put on the radar of the family planning clinic. Fuck. That would eventually, you know, sterilize them. But, like, the thing is, like, if she hadn't done this, they were receiving food stamps, which is another government-funded program, Mm. at which point they would have been on the radar anyways, because there were literal laws built into this where that's what they were checking. Mm. I can tell you, for food stamps, the checks aren't so bad anymore, but for, like, welfare, you have to give your whole fucking history. You give everything. The documentation needed is insane. Which is one of my biggest fucking complaints about welfare. It is not easy to get into that program. And the hoops. Mm -hmm. The hoops people have to jump through. They're... And they'll say it has to do with, like, not wanting welfare queens and right. bullshit like that. They make it no. hard because you really need to want it. Yes. You need to need it. Yep. So we're, we want to Much like prove disability, it. you need to already be in a really fucked up bad situation. Yeah. And then prove that you're in that fucked up bad situation. Dance for us. Yes. So that we can give you the benefits you need. So it's, like, one of the beauties of, like, where I work is we help people get into welfare right we give them the list we give them the tools we're like yes this is all the things we meet with them (laughs) yeah meet with them and walk them through step by step and give them a name and a person to contact for help because a lot of people would just look at a big long list of things they need to do and and it's overwhelming it is incredibly overwhelming Uh, it's supposed to be yes that's the point yep that's the point Mm -hmm. so they got a 156 dollar monthly check from the alabama department of pensions and security Medical benefits and then an apartment through public housing. Wow. I mean, like, I, I, it's nice that their lives are improving on this level. Yeah. Like, I like that for them. Yeah. Just 
sucks that it led to something so shitty. But the family planning clinic in Montgomery, the staff never obtained permission to perform injections or anything from the parents. Later, Minnie and Mary were also injected with the depot shot. And the decision had been made by staff because they were worried that, quote, boys were hanging around the house and we don't want no more of their kind. Oh, Lord. Who, what, where is that Even quote though from? That's from the staff of the uh, family clinic, planning oh. clinic. Even though there was no proof that the girls were sexually active. That does not matter. They're just saying, like, we saw a boy there we once. We saw a boy there once. So, <laughs> so, therefore, it's time to take these young ladies, barely adults, if Might have been a brother. Might have been a suitor. We don't know. There were six fucking children. Doesn't matter. Um, we Does don't not care. matter. We don't want no more of their kind. So. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. So, the IUD, the depot IUD, Hadn't been approved by the FDA because of its link to cancer in animals. Okay, yeah. Because this is the 70s and we were still doing insane amounts of testing on animals. Um, so how the nurses found out. So one of the nurses had to do a house visit. Uh-huh. And had informed the mother that her daughters would need to see a doctor for what she understood to just be more shots. Okay. You wanted to know the ages. 14 oh, yeah. and 12. Ah! 12. 12. I don't care. Like, some people will go through puberty that early, but, like, fuck you. Seriously, that's a child. So, they took them to the Professional Center Hospital in downtown Montgomery. Um, Minnie, the mother, was told she needed to sign a piece of paper. Nothing was explained what she was signing. She wasn't sure. Of course not. No. They're just like, you just, you need to sign this. This is for your daughters. It's for her health. She trusted that... They were in the hands of professional staff, mm-hmm. sponsored by the same government that had given her family a home, yes. food, money, and education. She has no reason to, dis- to distrust this at this point. And it's very clear from her later Senate testimony, she had no idea that signing that piece of paper would mean that her daughters would never be able to bear children. Because she could not read or write. Oh my God, she wasn't even fucking literate? And nope. they had her sign a piece so of paper? So it was a surgical consent form with that- an X... So, their older sister, Katie, had refused to go and had locked herself in her room. Good. She, she smelled a rat. Yes. <laughs> and when Jesse, the social worker, stopped by to check on them, Katie took her to the hospital. Mm. Because Jesse is educated. Mm-hmm. She is a social worker. She could read that consent form. Mm-hmm. So... Katie got Jesse to the hospital, but unfortunately, it was too late. Too late. So when Jesse got to the hospital, she says um, she recalls the younger Ralph girls in the hospital huddled together, looking small and scared and caught in surgical gowns. And the second they saw her, they both started to just cry. Um, And... They were saying to her, I just hurt so bad. Miss Bly, help me. Help me. Um, she says that she's she was unable to sleep. Um, just haunted. Yeah, you can't let go of that yeah. image. I'm sure, like, whatever they do, whatever that process is, they're black, so no, no painkillers. No. no. And it was, there was nothing laparoscopic. Like, they no. both 
They cut them. Yes. They cut it into them. Yep. Just huge cuts along the oh. abdomen. That's for. That's Which for a fourteen and twelve year old, that's that's big surgery. Yes. That like is you big are surgery. Small and like the oh my god. And yeah. then yeah, they're not being given adequate painkillers nope. at all. There's no way. Nope. And Jessie just still was like blaming herself. She yeah. Because she'd never been informed that there was going to be contraceptive shots or sterilization. They didn't even tell her about the depot shot. Nope. So Jessie was upset. Mm. Understandably so. Mm-hmm. And a quote from her, I knew I wouldn't be able to rest knowing that this kind of an injustice had been perpetrated upon these young ladies and nobody was speaking up for them. It happened because of where I am. So I felt like God wanted me to be the mouthpiece for them. I was going to do what I had to do, which for a black woman in the 70s, get it. Yeah. Get it. Hell yeah. Because that is going to be a fucking fight. Yeah. Um, So she went to the Southern Poverty Law Center Mm. where it was founded on Washington Avenue in Montgomery. So for anyone who doesn't know, Southern Poverty Law Center is very good. It tracks a lot of civil rights, and it basically does a lot of what the ACLU does, but focused a little more centrally on specifically civil rights violations and helping the underdog Mm. really fight and tracking um, homegrown terrorist organizations. and I imagine that they're quite a big, they're a national thing now. Yeah, but they weren't then. Wow, that's cool. Um, So... She went there, told them what happened, and they took the case. Mm. They're like, yeah, no, we got this. So 1973, they filed the case in the federal district district court, and then it went to uh, trial, claiming that the government officials, quote, have failed to promulgate constitutionally acceptable guidelines by which federally funded and directed agencies can determine who should or should not be sterilized. Further, there are no constitutionally acceptable guidelines to determine what persons are capable of giving knowledgeable, informed consent to the administration upon them or any birth control measures. A lot happened with this, Mm -hmm. and it blew up. It got a lot of attention. They were pushing for it. They were getting the media attention that they needed. It picked up, and as things popped off, Jesse Bly became famous like overnight viral she was like i couldn't go home i couldn't go to work newspaper magazine people were just following me around to get information and i had to take my kids and we had to go stay at my mom's for a while oh damn that sucks because there also weren't really any rules about behavior of journalists at this time right yeah so she's just dealing with constant harassment yep um so publicity kept going up and up the family planning clinic defended their actions and stated that they clearly explained to the mom that the injections for her daughters were no longer authorized and that sterilization was an alternative. Did they? And that she believed sterilization was a proper alternative because the girls were not, quote, disciplined enough to take daily birth control pills. This is a conversation that they made up that they had with her. Yep. Uh And again, one of those things is like if you have to take something every day, that's a habit that you have to build. That's something you need to learn. Mm -hmm. So this is just further perpetuation that they couldn't learn. Right. Where we're just giving up on them before allowing them to try. Right. The Southern Poverty Law Center was like, fuck you. You did this because they're black. (laughs) I mean, yes. 
the lawyers also tried to demonstrate that the sisters did not comprehend that they had been sterilized. And there's a very sad transcript in the trial of them talking to them, asking, like, the basic questions you ask, like, a 14-year-old of that time of, like, oh, are you going to get married? Yeah. Are you going to have kids? Yeah. One boy, one girl. That's what she said. One boy and one girl. Like, she had a plan. I just want a little girl. And she did not know. She did not know. That they had already taken that from yep. her. Like, that's how you know you did something to somebody too young. Yep. They literally have no idea what no you idea. did. No idea. None. So, this caught the eye of Senator Edward Kennedy, wow. Democrat of Massachusetts, um, and was then the chairman of the Senate Subcommittee on Health of the Committee on Labor and Public Welfare. Mm. And he was like, you know what? Can you, uh, can you guys just come to D.C. and... We're just going to have a little congressional hearing. And just a little just, one. Just a, <laughs> just a skosh of a congressional Famously hearing. small congressional <laughs> hearings. <laughs> and listen, just bring the kids, bring the mom, bring the social worker. Just bring everybody just on bring, out. Just bring everybody. It'll be a fun little family trip. We'll fly them out here. So it was their first and only time on an airplane. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, is that terrifying or fun? I can't tell. Like, it depends. I don't know. But <laughs> they got to go to Washington. <laughs> To testify. Mm. Um, both the parents and one of the lawyers agreed that it would be too difficult for the girl to speak in an open hearing, which, yes. She, again, so many people. So, so they kidding. made sure that Minnie Lee and Mary Alice met with Kennedy behind closed doors. Mm. So they had a closed session, which is... Good for them. So one of the lawyers is like, yeah, the senator was really great, spoke to them gently and listened closely and was moved by what he heard. And then Kennedy went off, as Kennedys often do. Uh, yeah, that's kind of why people end up liking them at all, because yeah. they lose their minds and they do it in yeah. a mid-Atlantic accent. Yeah. <laughs> and we love it. <laughs> uh, so he challenged Henry Sin- Simmons, who is HEW's Deputy Assistant Secretary for Health and Scientific Affairs, mm. and other administrators about why the federal government was involved in coercive non-consensual sterilizations of black and poor women. Hey, why are we doing this? Hey, why? Hey. Why? What's up? Um, And then the girls testified in the closed session. So another family and then another family and then another family started going to the Southern Poverty Law Center and be like, hey, this this happened happened to us. Oh, good. That's what you hope. So they suddenly had suits with multiple people. So basically class action. Yeah, we're talking about a class action lawsuit at this point. Of surgical sterilization. And um, one of the women, Neil Ruth Cox had been told that the doctor said it would wear off. Fuck. She was 18 and unmarried and had a baby girl. And she lived with her mother, who was a recipient of government benefits. That's how you get on the list. And a county caseworker threatened to strike the family from the welfare rolls unless the mother agreed to have her daughter's tubes temporarily tied. Temporarily. Temporarily, because it'll wear off. Oh, that poor thing. Yep. So Cox, who was represented by several lawyers, including future Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, oh, what up? did lose in court. But her suit revealed that sterilization was part of a eugenics program that had begun decades early. And it just took off from there. Mm-hmm. So even though she lost, it set up for something much bigger. Mm-hmm. 
people were seeing people were yeah. knowing about it that and might not have then before. um in 1977 a representative of one of the indigenous tribes went to the geneva convention and was like hey Ooh. they're also doing this to us just an fyi just an fyi this is happening on our tribal lands as a form of crowd control basically um so shitty things are happening and they're like no fuck all of you we're making noise yeah i mean we it's hard to know about what's happening in a poverty stricken area unless somebody speaks out it's yep nigh on impossible to know what's happening on a reservation unless somebody speaks out yep like we're not supposed to know what it's like there yeah so they were able to get some justice laws were put on the books to say hey Mm -hmm. you can't keep doing this we need informed consent you can't make decisions based off of eugenics. It is a boxed science. Yes. It is I, not real. I Hi, doctors. I thought we knew. <laughs> it's not good science. Uh, God. If only. You know. If fucking only. <laughs> it's fine. Um, unfortunately, many never finished high school. Dropped out in 11th grade. Um, she said keeping up with classwork was difficult for her since there had been no formal learning in early childhood and she didn't have the help of her parents at home to try and because they were in the same situation this was Mm -hmm. generational trauma being visited upon them Mm -hmm. they minnie and mary live together they go to the store for groceries together attend church and watch tv their older sister katie lives in their in the same apartment complex Mm um and I, then I, I have so many feelings about her yeah like the fact she must have just had like literally like an uh-oh feeling like yeah uh, i'm actually like, not uh, i don't know. i don't want to do this whatever you're here to do i don't like it and yep. then finding their jesse and just deciding like we're going to the hospital i need you to see what's yep. happening so many um their mother passed away in 1980 their father passed away in 2009 um, they were quoted as saying, Minnie was quoted as saying, not long ago I was crying and felt like doing something to myself and I wanted to go with my mom and dad. So oh. they're still not okay. No. And they will likely never be okay. No, their life sounds terribly hard no matter what. Yes. Like it didn't sound like they just magically got a really great life out of all of this, you know. But there is actual real support now. Good. And help support, support that isn't lying to get them on the books to sterilize them, but because yeah. <laughs> that's all that other support was before. Yeah. So Minnie doesn't fully understand what the nation gained because of their case, hmm. but Mary Alice does know like what she lost. Hmm. Um, the reporter who was interviewing them says that each each woman sleeps with a brown baby doll. And Mary Alice said, I know I can't have kids and it gets to me sometimes. And then Minnie Lee said, every time I see somebody like my cousin or my niece Debbie with their child, I think about it. Seeing those pretty little babies, I wish that was me. Aww. So, so while there were a lot of benefits that came from it, it doesn't fix what was already taken. No, not for them. No. They did a good thing for the country and for other people after them. Yes, yes. But they still suffer. Yes. Awful. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the way of things for the people who, like, make change often. Yep. They have to suffer even though mm-hmm. they make it better for other people. Yeah. So, yeah. 
That's Aww. Minnie and Mary. I'm so sorry, Minnie and Mary. I, it's really sweet that they seem like a really tight-knit family. Yeah. That, like, those two live together, and then Katie lives in the same apartment complex. Yeah. And, like, they're all... They stuck together. Yeah, that's really, they stuck together. That's nice. Ugh. Woo. Tragic endings. I think it's, like, important to know, like... I think if somebody weren't paying a lot of attention or thinking super hard about it, we could be like, oh, you're complaining about, like, now you can't have abortion, but you're also complaining about when people were forcing to be sterilized. Like, that's the, those are opposing things. Like, how can you be? But the point that is... That is choice. Choice. It's choice. Yes. The point is being given the choice to do something. These women were not given the choice to be sterilized. I think what women should be able to elect to have their tubes tied. Yes. It shouldn't at, be a at fucking any time. fight. Yeah. Right. Like... You shouldn't need your husband's permission. No. You shouldn't need to already have children. Nope. Or be a certain age. Nope. I think you should be over an adult's age. Yes. <laughs> but that's because you can't be under that and make your own medical decisions anyway. And the beauty of it is if you get your tube side and it's your choice mm -hmm. and you wanted to do it, if down the road you want kids, most people that I've met who've been like, yeah, I want to not have my own children are willing to adopt mm -hmm. and foster. It is. It's not. They make it difficult. They make oh it my expensive god. to oh adopt. Oh my god, it's so fucking expensive they make to it adopt. Crazy hard to foster, which in a way is good because yes. we've heard foster care oh, horror stories yes. all over the place. There are we still know horror stories. It should be there hard are people to foster. who get through the hoops yes. and are still pieces of shit. At, yeah, absolutely. But like those are difficult and expensive options that not everybody wants. So yep. that people need to have the choice the other way as well. You should yep. have the choice to have a child if you want to. The government doesn't get to tell you nope. you may no longer have a child because we don't deem you worthy of having one. We don't want your genes passed on. Yep. Like, and, uh, that's uh, Nazi shit. It's just, it's just not feasible. All of this is always about choice. That's yes. the point. These women did not have a choice. It does not matter if you support abortion or not. It's a matter of access to it safe, safely and legally and leaving it up to the family mm -hmm. to make that choice. Bodily and autonomy then, is, it's only, it's the only thing we have. Yes. It's all we have. Yes. But like, I guess that, we'll fucking see, won't yeah. we? Hey, do you want to talk can, even yeah. more about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Great. Cool. I'll be happy to do that for you. Oh my God, <laughs> how helpful. What a beautiful segue. I would be so excited. Um, Let's fucking heart noise them shit. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, okay. Duh. <laughs> oh, boop. Jesus. That's maybe our lamest one yet. We're back. We're back. We went and sat outside for yeah. a bit. In we, my little spider-proof tent that I set up. We decompressed. We decompressed. I refilled the fish bowls. Sure did. With not a lot of booze. No. Bit less Thankfully. booze. But, oh, God, that's so much ice. <laughs> yeah. But we've got a whole more ice jiggles in our future. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I so far I'm liking them. They just hold so much liquid. They do. That, like, you can really drink a lot from these. Yeah, I uh, was at the store looking at it, and I'm like, I could just fill this with gin. You could. You might have an issue drinking that unless you took several hours to do so. Just, you know, put some tonic water in there. Some. Just make a doesn't sound like enough fishbowl g and t i would love a fishbowl g and t that's what i was wrong? thinking i was like well we would both really enjoy that but then taylor would be spending the night here <laughs> that's true that's true we need more mixables in our yes. drinks otherwise we're gonna be yeah because i was like that's gonna be a lot of booze yeah <sighs> truth 
just with how thick these boys are. Mm-hmm. Are you ready now for a Tell story me. of a yes. different stripe? Um, we had some shit things to say about doctors uh, this last time, and mm-hmm. I, 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 they were correct. Um, yeah. I do want to – this is about a doctor. Yes. Um, Kashik told me. Yes. <laughs> um, I want to – like, this is tangentially is related, of course, to abortion – that's what was on our minds when yes. we were doing this research. Um, I don't have any like terrible, terrible abortion stories that I go into specifics about, but just, uh, just the the beginning of this goes through a tiny bit of yeah, not so great abortion stuff. So just an FYI for people. All right. So our survivor today is Garson Romalis. Mm. Um, I Hi, believe Garson. He goes, Hi, Garson. He goes by Gary a lot okay. of the time. I'm gonna Hi, call Gary. Him, yeah. I'm going to call him Dr. Romalis. Oh. Normally, I would call somebody by their first name, but Gary, doctor. No. So, I'm just going to. Fuck titles. <laughs> I li- I, li- I just, it was, it was the way, that way in most things I looked at anyway. So, no. I was like, ah, fuck it. So. Hi, Gary. Gary Romalis. <laughs> Hi, Gary. He's a Canadian citizen. He was born oh. in 1937. He attended medical school where he found that he loved delivering babies. Oh. So he decided to specialize in gynecology and obstetrics. Okay. You don't know what obstetrics is. That's delivering babies, basically. Um, Gynecology is the working parts. Right. Obstetrics is the outpush parts. Yeah, the part where you you deliver a thing through the stuff you study in gynecology. (laughs) Very important. Um, However, much of his time in medical school and his residency... And internship. They were not spent delivering babies or caring for new Rude. mothers or anything so nice. Rude. Yeah. they. He had to instead care for women that had come to the hospital severely ill from illegal abortions. Oh, God. So, again, like, I mean, this is, like, 1960s that he's in medical yeah. school. And Roe v. Wade was 1972? Two. Yep. Yeah. You're right. So, not passed yet. Not passed yet. Um. Now, I should say, like, he's a Canadian citizen. However, he was, he did an internship in 1962 at Cook County Hospital in Illinois. Oh. So, he was All in right. America for a time. Um, In this, this hospital, Cook County, they had an entire ward for septic obstetrics. Mm. This is houses women who had gone septic from having illegal abortions. This is what happens in the back alleys with the coat hangers. Exactly. You go septic. Yes. Because things get ruptured that aren't supposed to be ruptured. Mm-hmm. And Whether sepsis uterus, will kill you. Absolutely. Like you can rupture your uterus incredibly easily because what you're u- okay, what you're doing with a coat hanger is literally inserting it up through your cervix and into your uterus and trying to scrape the sides of your uterus yep. to get the attached fetus off of it. Yep. It's terrible. It's it a really bad terrible. idea. But it's all people had at the time in some cases. There was another thing you could do. It was called using slippery elm bark. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Slippery elm bark is literally bark from a, uh, from an elm. And like when it's wet, it feels slippery. That's why it's called that. It's slippery enough that you can insert it into the cervix just a small piece it expands and dilates your cervix and then it causes it literally is supposed to cause infection which will push tell your uterus to dump flush everything everything. yeah there's also chemicals people could drink oh yeah and like different concoctions tons of things awful awful shit usually not stuff that one did not work no two could kill you yes slippery elm bark first of all not sterile no and 
has spores inside of it. There's so, so women, much bug poop and bird oh poop on there. So bad. And like, and literally just like mycelia living in it. Oh, God. So, so you could get terrible infections that wouldn't just kill your pregnancy, but would absolutely spread throughout your entire body and kill you. Great for mushrooms, bad for people. Absolutely. So, so they admitted 10 to 30 patients in this ward per day. Yes. That does That's not surprise tons me. Tons of That people. should surprise me. That does not right. surprise me. Like, like septic, it's called septic abortion. Basically, like you have an abortion, you go septic. They call that entire thing septic abortion. There were so many women having this per day that it's insane. Like, this is just one hospital. They had an entire ward for it. They would provide these women antibiotics. Many of them survived by this point. Yeah. Earlier in history, nope. not so much. By this point, most of them are surviving. However, still, Dr. Romalis would watch one person die per month at least. Yeah. At least one woman. And he never, he could never forget these women. No. He had specific stories and knew their names 30 years later. Um, so I'm it's not, not gonna... it's not an easy decision to make no. to go through this nearly impossible. Like yes. either you, you have to be incredibly desperate. Yes. The alternative of having the child has to be worse. Yes. Than maybe dying yep. horribly and painfully. It's literally like this was, so my basically like my stepbrother was very conservative from Georgia and would use abortion as like the like oh let's get Emily revved up mm -hmm. I'm gonna say abortion is bad and then 13 year old me would just go on a fucking tangent mm -hmm. yelling at him right and you don't fucking understand I was in a very conservative Catholic household but my mother was pro-choice because mm. she lived through this shit she mm. saw what was happening she was in her early 20s in the 60s had a child mm -hmm. and was raising it on her own because her husband was off in Vietnam. Right. I'm sure she had friends with, and other yes. people who dealt she with She saw what was happening and she's like, this is the only way we're going to keep people alive mm -hmm. is to make it legal and to make it safe and make it regulated. Mm -hmm. So many of the people who are so vehemently anti-choice right now, like, don't know this time, no. don't remember this time. No. How and awful it was. they're about to see it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. Oh, I should say, so Dr. Romalis went into practice in 1972. Okay. Uh, so technically, Roe v. Wade, 1973. Oh. Because this was- That was one year off. Right. Okay. So was I. I thought it was 1972 as well. But this is when he went into practice. It was one year before Roe v. Wade was passed. He was in Canada. So this was actually, like, three years after a bill was passed, like, allowing for limited abortions mm -hmm. in Canada. I believe it was the 80s. When Canada play, uh, like put into their basic constitution the um the right to bodily autonomy, which then allowed for abortions under basically any circumstance, which we and need to do. We, yeah, we should do that. Canada did that. Many countries have done that. Yes. It's considered just part of the constitution that you are allowed autonomy over your own body. Yeah, uh, wild, which wild fucking concept. Crazy concept. Whoa. So Dr. O'Malis is, he's going to practice while all of this is happening. All these changes are being made. He is watching so many fewer women die yeah. that it's actually insane. He doesn't, he's, he, he can't believe the numbers. He's reading papers and, and, and seeing that like they're reducing maternal mortality rates by 80%. Wow. Like, like a crazy wow. number. And he, he writes to another very noted gynecologist. His name is David Boys, And he says, like, does this feel true to you? This seems too good to be true. These numbers are too high. And Boys wrote back, these numbers suggest, quote, that politicians 
with a few strokes of a pen, have saved more lives than we have with 25 years of effort screening for cervical cancer. Like, yeah. just women stop dying. Like, we just, we it's, solved it. We fixed it's it. It's wild what happens when it's laws crazy. get passed and things get put into action. This is, that was one of the more huh. consequential laws most of those politicians ever passed, I'm sure. Yep. In their whole careers. So Come back. Got, yeah. Revive them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bring Resurrect them, back. them from the dead. Remind everyone. So Dr. Amalis <laughs> maintained his practice for the next two decades, providing vital health care for women. Only part of which was abortions, just as a reminder. Yes. He's a gynecologist. A they don't only do abortions. All like a lot of gynecologists and providers of women's yep. health care generally do a lot, lot more than abortions. So fucking much Way more. more. So he did that for two more decades. This is a quote from his wife. Her name is Sheila. She spoke to a journalist. I will I will just throw this out there. If you've heard of the podcast, Someone Knows Something. Mm. It is a Canadian podcast, and it goes into, I mean, there's like eight seasons of this podcast now, and they eight. all go into a, a different thing, usually missing persons cases. But they did an entire season on the death of one particular abortion provider in Buffalo. And they also talk about several other abortion provider attacks that happened in Canada. So I wonder what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, I so, was going to say, if you need extra stats for the U.S., I have them. Mm, I might, yeah. Okay. We'll get, I will get to some things. Do it! So, this Sheila, Ms. Dr. Amalis's wife, spoke to David Ridgen, who is from Someone Knows Something. And she said, he was never an activist. And he didn't fall into it. He actually, had a con he actually made a concerned decision that this is what I'm going to do because I want these women to have a clean and safe place to have this procedure. So he wasn't a political person, and he wasn't just sort of shoved into this particular line of work. He wanted to do it, but he wasn't out there, you know, speaking yeah. about it. So it's early November 1994. So it's like 22 years after he started his practice. He's been at it a long time. Oh, God. Dr. Amalis and Sheila went on a holiday for about a week. Um, they returned on Sunday, November 6th, and Dr. Amalis returned to work the next day, November 7th. Was Generally. he in a hospital or in a clinic? He has his own clinic. Oh, as far as okay. I know, he's a private practice. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm so just remembering the 90s for... Uh-huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so generally, Dr. Amalis had the exact same morning routine every single day. The way you'd think somebody who is disciplined enough to be a doctor would. <laughs> you know, like they yeah, just... Yeah, they've got a schedule and they're they rigid. stick to it. Yes. So quote from Sheila. He always woke up at 7 o'clock. He was always downstairs. He was sitting at the kitchen table at 10 after 7 every single day. You could set your clocks with it. He would sit there at 7.10 and he would get done eating at 7.20. And then he would go back upstairs and he would finish getting ready. And he would be to the office by 8 every day of his practice. However, on this day, Dr. Amalis got up one hour early. And that is just because he'd returned from their vacation and he figured he'd have a lot of mail waiting for him he'd have a lot of extra work to do so he woke up an hour early he ate his breakfast at 6 10 he got ready and he went to work at 7 instead of at 8 so at 7 10 when he normally would have been sitting down to breakfast what was instead already at work a phone call happens at their house the phone starts ringing it's exactly 7 10 sheila still asleep I don't know if she works or just has a different schedule than him or not, 
but she's still asleep. She wakes up and hears a male voice ask for Dr. O'Malley, and she tells him he's not there, but he can be reached at his answering service. Here's the number. Well, isn't he supposed to be there? Oh, God. And she says, well, he's not, but you can an- you can reach him at his answering service. Uh-oh. Here is the number. And then she hangs up. She's oh, just like done. Yeah, she's tired. Yeah. So she literally falls back asleep. Oh, God. <laughs> she's oh, like, fuck God. that. Yeah. Falls back asleep. 15 minutes later, she's just gotten back to sleep and the phone rings again. No. And it's the same voice. No. She knows it right away. Asks for Dr. O'Malley and she says, he is not here. You can reach him at his answering service, like I told you. And he says, but isn't this 1338 West 46th Street? (laughs) Finally, Sheila is like, okay, you can reach him at his answering service. Fuck off. And then she hangs up and she unplugs the phone. Yes. (laughs) Because like, bitch, get your sleep. Get your sleep. (laughs) Mm. So that day. Turns out, it's actually Sheila's birthday. Either Uh-oh. that or it's the day they choose to celebrate it. Uh-oh. Yeah. So later that evening, she and her husband, they go out and have sushi. They've gotten Cute. through their day like normal. Yeah, they have sushi. It's nice. But she asks him, like, hey, did you, did that very insistent man ever get a hold of you? And he said, this is a quote from Sheila, and he said, nobody called me. Nobody left me a message. So we went back to the house after dinner, and in the morning of the 8th, he got up. And he went downstairs and he sat down at the table at 7.10 and was shot. <gasps> so one side of the Romalis' kitchen has a double-paned sliding glass door that looks out onto their backyard. And they have a garden that they maintain there together. Past that is a small lane. I, I'm assuming an alleyway that splits between houses. Different backyards are back there. Um, and there are no blinds or curtains on this door Sheila says that's because she likes to look out at nature she just wants to see their garden so they never cover that door and sitting at the kitchen table you can easily look out at the backyard sure that's the whole point you want to be able to look your effort that's nice yeah I get it unfortunately though that also means that someone in your backyard can easily look in on you and see exactly where you are every single day oh my god at the exact same time so at 7.10, a bullet was fired from an AK-47. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hollow point. Ow. <laughs> so it's likely from the lane in back of the house. It pierces through both panes of glass and the sliding door and strikes Dr. O'Malley as he's eating breakfast, wearing only his bathrobe, by the way. Like literally not a stitch of clothing on this man except his bathrobe. Seven, it's 7 in the morning. Yeah. The bullet hits him in his upper thigh a bad spot because it does sever his femoral artery oh no we tell so many stories where it's like they lived because it just didn't hit their femoral artery didn't hit their femoral artery it didn't if it shattered their pelvis it was in the right way where none of their bones started to migrate poke into their femoral artery because if your femoral artery oh my god you're you're dead in minutes yeah like you that's your biggest artery in your body. That's why if you're ever in a car accident and you have any sort of hip or thigh injury, you are stabilized and rushed to the hospital mm-hmm. because that internal bleeding can and will kill you. Yeah, absolutely. They will. I mean, if anything happens to that artery, yep. you got to nope. tourniquet and then hope. Yep. Like there's like you can die so fast. Yep. So that is pierced. 
Oh, it's God. not just pierced. Like it blows what they call a grapefruit size hole in his leg. Yeah, I mean like, it's an AK forty seven with a uh-huh. hollow point. No, yeah, it's huge. It, I mean, it went through two panes. You know, sliding glass doors. Yep. Though that's thick. not nothing. It's thick. <laughs> that's thick, boy. Yeah. So, and it strikes him. He it it knocks him off his chair. Though just the yeah. force of it knocks him off his chair. But it's actually a good thing, because the next bullet comes straight through no, nothing obstructing it whatsoever the door is shattered and it hits the back of the chair where he was just sitting so he would have absolutely been shot in the back and killed oh god if if he had not fallen from his chair with the first shot so oh my god that's very lucky taylor but the rest of it is not good he's like his leg is like spurting blood almost comically yeah. the way that like it's like Django Unchained like yeah. Tarantino shit yeah <laughs> like it's bad incredibly Dr. Romalis does not pass out Ooh. right then and there like I would <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd probably just poof, yeah I would just die. accept death at that point and be like okay cool thanks, I guess bye. that's it for me right, dog peace yeah <laughs> exactly it's been real exactly but he stays awake. He's probably immediately in shock. The fastest yeah. anyone's ever gone into shock. Yeah. But like you're, he's awake. So instead, he he takes the belt from his bathrobe because, again, it's all he has. And he fashions a tourniquet up at the top of his thigh because it's stopping the blood from coming anywhere from his heart out of his leg. And he holds it tight at both ends with everything he's got. And he hasn't seen the gunman. He doesn't know where they are. He doesn't know if they, you know, shot. And now they're stalking right up the Waiting lawn. Waiting to see if he moves. Right. To come in. So yeah. he decides, I have to get out of the way of the doorway. Because if he shoots again, I'm dead. So he drags himself away from the kitchen table and toward the door to the kitchen into the, the hall where the stairs are. Because his daughter is home and his wife. They're both upstairs. They're both oh, still in bed. God. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't call for them. Because he doesn't want the gunman to come in and then know that they're there and walk up and shoot them too. So, but he makes his way away from the doorway so he can't be shot again. Meanwhile, upstairs though, like, they've heard the shattered yeah. glass. They've heard the gunshot. Yeah. Yeah. AK-47s are loud. Absolutely. That and is not a subtle weapon. Right. No. <laughs> no. And like, I, I imagine just the, the screaming that is also yeah. pro- probably happening. Like, you will be awake. But they also don't come downstairs because, like, Dr. O'Malley calls up for them to stay in their rooms and call 911. And fortunately, their daughter, I, they never say her name, maintaining her privacy. Yes. That's fine. But their daughter is the one who calls 911. They must be on the landing together refusing to come downstairs, thinking yeah. at any yeah. moment the gunman will turn the corner. Yeah. Um, and the daughter is on the phone and they're they're saying she's saying like my father's been shot you have to get here immediately he's bleeding so much and uh, this is a quote from sheila i remember thinking we're done for the shooter is going to come through this way they're going to come upstairs and the daughter's on the phone and she can hear her talking to the 911 operator and their daughter the daughter is asked why do you think your father was shot and she replies like because he does abortions like, to her, that was completely, that made all the sense in the fucking world. Like, because he does abortions. And they're like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what? They've never. Why does this matter? Mm-hmm. Hey, 911 operator. Yeah, that's the other thing. Shut the fuck 
up. Like, I by this point, they are sending responders. They are sending police. But, like... We don't need to make conversation yeah. about why your father was shot. <laughs> why? Yeah, it is. Like, I don't really know why that was the choice of the person. But then she answers as if it's, like, the most obvious thing in the world. And they don't get it. They have no idea what, like... Why would he be shot for doing abortions? Here's the thing. We're going to pause in the story a moment for background. Uh-huh. Dr. O'Malley's attack is the first of several attacks on abortion providers in both Canada and America that took place throughout the 90s. Yeah, and they are, were fucking brutal. They, yeah. I mean, there were, this, is, this does not even include bombings, assaults that happen inside of clinics against, like, both providers and, and also nurses. Like, there is tons of, of, of violence that has happened in the 90s now there was a huge uptick in 2021 and maybe look that up against yep, abortion there was also a huge uptake uptick in 2015 mm. whenever anything like, people just remember and uh-huh. that they're mad and, and they're, they're like, like ah and they go and bomb places set yeah. fire to clinics do you have stats i have mainly stats only on these people because oh. this is a very specific set of general attacks. stats please okay so between 1977 and 2015, anti-choice extremists, which is what they're called, they're zealots. Yep. They're extremists. Yep. <laughs> directed more than 7,200 reported attacks of violence at abortion providers that included 42 bombings, 185 arson attacks, thousands of death threats, bioterrorism threats, and assaults. Ugh. In addition, more than 234,300 acts of disruption were reported, including bomb threats, hate mail, and harassing calls. Uh, between 1993 and 2016... There were 26 attempted murders and 11 murders. Mm. So in that time period where he basically kicks off of the first one, Mm -hmm. there were 26 more, 25 more attempts Mm -hmm. and 11 actual murders. Um, The 11 people murdered were doctors, clinic employees, Mm -hmm. a clinic escort, a security guard, and a cop. Mm. Oh, did anyone care in that hmm. case? Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Only when it suits them. Yeah. As is the case. Yeah. For and everything. I do want to be so clear here that, like, Dr. Amelis is the first of this very specific spree of yeah. killings. I don't know if I'd call it a spree because it takes place over multiple years. But these people are shot usually at the clinic. Yep. These are. This was weird of this being weird. at the homes. There are four specific times that that has happened. And Dr. Amelis was the first one. But then Dr. Hugh Short in Ontario in 1995, one year later, shot killed at his own home. Dr. Jack Feynman, 1997 in Manitoba. Abortions were 1% of what he did. His son later said, like, he did 60 total abortions in his entire practice. God. His 20 years of being a doctor. 60. Like, that's not what he did. He was not an abortionist. And yet he was shot. He did survive. Mm. Um, It destroyed his practice. Because he had to do rehabilitation. And then... A year later, in America, Dr. Barnett Slepian, 1998, of Buffalo, was killed. And then a man was identified as the killer. His name is James Charles Cop. Fuck you. He was an anti-abortion extremist. That's exactly what you call him. He's a fucking terrorist. He's yeah, a fucking terrorist. He's a fucking terrorist. He's a domestic terrorist. Yeah. Um, and he was a he was a part of a larger syndicate of, of anti-abortion extremists. He fled for a long time sure. until they finally found Chicken him. Shit. Yeah. I'll get back to him yeah. in a bit. But like, I'm so proud of what I did that I have to go on the run. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. justified in what I did that I need to hide now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, he barely recognizes himself as a murderer because he believes he was defending babies. Um, but so he definitely uh, killed Barnett Slepian. It is not unlikely that he killed or shot all of the men I just named. Yeah. It, it's, it's incredibly likely that it was all him. Yeah. So. Great. I just, it's important to note, like, that does not constitute all the attacks. All the attacks that you no. just mentioned, those are These were different. all different things. Mm-hmm. And those uh. happened before 1994. They've been happening for decades. Yeah. But, that, like, but he is only the first in a long, and now a line of people that this has happened to. And now people recognize this as something that can happen. Ugh. No. So, I basically only took that detour to say that. We're back now in their analysis home. Their daughter's on the phone. Ambulance is on the way. A few minutes pass. And Sheila and the daughter are upstairs. They're sort of expecting the shooter, like I said. But yeah. the more time goes by, the more they think, okay, maybe he's not coming in. Maybe maybe it's okay. And finally, they hear Dr. Amalis call from the like other room in the hall saying, Sheila, come downstairs. I need you to hold the tourniquet. Yep. Because at some point... He's passing he's out. He's still losing blood. It's just at a slower rate. He's not going to not pass. He's in shock. Yeah. There's no way. The so. adrenaline only lasts for so long. It's why if you go to the, like, if you get shot or stabbed or anything, the adrenaline makes you not feel the pain and the shock is going to set in and then that adrenaline is going to wear mm-hmm. off and everything is really going to start hurting very, yeah. very badly. And not feeling the pain is only there so you have that time to use it. Yeah. Like for something. That is your fight yourself. or flight protection. Mm-hmm. That is you. You have a second. Save yep. yourself before you die. Yep. Before you feel so much pain you can't think. Yep. Because you will pass out. Yeah. This is a quote from Sheila. Well, I came running downstairs and I turned the corner to where he was and there was so much blood that I slid on the blood and I smashed into the dresser. And when I got down on the floor and I saw him lying there, it looked to me like the leg was severed. There was just so much blood. Yeah. And... Like, Sheila believes that she was called downstairs finally because, like, there's no... They don't believe the gunman's there No, anymore. he would have been She believes then. he made off in some sort of vehicle. Yeah. He was long gone by that yeah. point. But, you know, she must have been called down because he was afraid he would pass out. He couldn't hold it anymore. So he shows her where to hold the bathrobe to keep things tight. I'm sure he doesn't The fact have that he's crazy... a fucking doctor. Yep. He's a doctor saved that his saved own him. fucking life. Absolutely. He, the fact that he knew what to do and where to do it and what he could do it with and in that amount of time, that's it. That He's is... a doctor and that's why he lived. Sheila grabs the things where he tells her to and he says, hold it tight and don't let go. Hold it tight and don't let go. And then he just lays back. And she says, quote, I did. I held it so tight. Yep. And I was in such shock that they couldn't get me to open my hands to let go so finally when the when they get there when the first responders get there she can't open her hands yeah (laughs) everything in her body is clenched Mm -hmm. like she's just and like you know that if you let up even for a second he could die god so you just you don't even think about it It probably hurts like Mm -hmm. you just you're she probably wasn't even feeling it anymore oh yeah no no because there's like that point of pain and then it just goes no disassociate from the situation because you're also watching your husband like having this horrible thing so dr amalis he was taken to the hospital he underwent eight hours of surgery holy shit i mean big yeah big trauma trauma Mm -hmm. surgeries are never short yeah it was bad so he was in the hospital for 10 weeks yep. afterward. It's a long yep. time, but he faced a lot of complications, unfortunately, and had, to, had some setbacks. 
he had to do a ton of rehabilitation, extensive he physiotherapy. He had to relearn to walk. Oh, yeah. Like, tons. He was also treated for PTSD and depression. Yeah. hmm Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, glad he, I'm glad that in the 90s, they treated him for PTSD. Yeah, Good that's stuff. rare. His family, later they moved from that home because his blood could not be removed from the grout in the tile floor and yeah. none of them could look at it. They yeah. just couldn't. His wife That's... was traumatized. He was traumatized. Like nobody could stand nope. it. You have to strip all of that and then strip down to the bare bones of the house and yeah. rebuild. Yes. So like, as his wife had stated, Dr. Amalis was not a political man. He did not preach for reproductive rights before this shooting. Well, that's about to change. I uh-huh. have a feeling. Y- huh. You know how you radicalize somebody? Yeah. <laughs> you fucking shoot them. Yeah. Um, for doing their job. Wild how that happens yeah. when someone's just minding their own goddamn business. Yeah. And then you shoot them. Mm-hmm. So he he wasn't like a seeker of the limelight even afterward, but he did put himself out there more as an educator. Yeah. He did do multiple interviews, one with the CBC and America's Most Wanted. I couldn't find it, but he was on America's Most Wanted oh, talking shit. about like... I want this man brought to justice. He did not just shoot me. He shot all doctors. Like, this is what, like, what we do is too important. You can't, you attack one of us, you attack all of us. Like, we are just providing health care. Fuck you. <laughs> like, he was mad on that interview. They Good. play, like, a little bit of it. It's great. Um, in 1998, he put together an abortion symposium for medical students because he feared that too many of them no longer knew what it was like before Roe v. Wade, before the Canadian version of that was passed. They were too young to remember when women were dying by the hundreds all yeah. every year. And so he put on a symposium with him and other speakers talking about... I'm glad he's educating. Yes. Like, he, he just feared that too many young medical students would take for granted what they have today and not remember, like, how important it was, mm-hmm. uh, it, like... To, to have that in Weird. place, to have hmm. safe, legal abortion. Huh! 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 He sought to remind the next generation how vital and necessary a safe and, like, he says dignified abortion. Like, it's true, though. Like, yes. there is dignity in going and having a regular med- medical procedure. It's a hard decision. It's really hard. And it's a hard thing to go through. And, like, having a real medical professional there makes sense. Like, you need somebody who just tells you, it's okay. I've yeah. got you. So, Ramalis, he did eventually return to practicing medicine. I will say this. He was attacked one more time. Six years later. No. In the year 2000, he was stabbed by a, a young man in a hoodie in the waiting room of his own clinic after he just entered. And then the man ran away. Um, he, he was, like, not nearly as life-threatening. He was doing fine reports. It immediately were like, he's okay. He's expected to return to practice, but this is not the first time he's been attacked. Meanwhile, let's bring this up again. Like there were so many reports because that he, he's not the only doctor who's been attacked twice no. either. Yeah. Like they, it happens to them over yeah. and over. That's and why over. security measures are so fucking strong yes. now. He was given armed guard after that. Yep. Like, yep. Sucks. They never caught this man either. They never caught no. the stabber. No. Um, and James Charles Cop, the man who shot Dr. Slepian in Buffalo and is suspected of having shot the other Canadian doctors, he never admitted to it. No. They never brought him up in Canada because he already stood trial in America for killing Dr. Slepian and he got life in prison. So they decided, like, it's not worth it for us to extradite him on shaky grounds, shaky evidence that we had. He was never seen or witnessed. Like, they just 
saw his they know his car crossed the border that's all they have really so they decided like fine let him fucking rot in america we're not going to pull him up here yeah but that means that romalis and dr feynman and dr short they they will never know for actually did it for sure um yeah cop has never said yeah i did that he's in fact denied it in like 2015 bullshit no it wasn't me i've actually never been to canada what's remembrance day by the way, all of these happened around Remembrance Day, which is the same day as American Veterans Day. So, like, every year, one abortion doctor shot at the same time of year, likely by the same person. It's just weird. Huh. So. <laughs> what a coincidence. Yeah. So, after Dr. Amalis, you know, he, he recovered again from the stabbing. He continued providing it. gynecological and obstetric care several more years and in 2014 he did pass away um after all they said in his obituary was a brief illness um he was 77 years old Mm. so i mean a brief illness will kill you by that point i don't think it was anything you know terrible but he is no longer with us unfortunately but he lived a pretty long life i did want to end just with a selection from a speech that he gave in 2008 at the Toronto Law School entitled Why I Am an Abortion Doctor. He says, I love my work. I can take an anxious woman who is in the biggest trouble she has ever experienced in her life and by performing a five-minute operation in comfort and dignity, I can give her back her life. After an abortion operation, patients frequently say, thank you, doctor. But abortion is the only operation I know of where they also sometimes say, thank you for what you do. So that's the story of Dr. Romalis and a bunch of other doctors that were randomly shot. Ugh, so sad. Like, doctors are people and they do not always have the best, um, like, thoughts in mind or their patient's interests at heart. We've seen that. Of course not. But, like, there are also Father people. of gynecology. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we, we have de- definitely talked to about yes. and delved into stories of doctors that do not have their patients' no. interests at heart at all. But, but not all of them are like that. No. We have to remember that there are people who go into it because they just want to help people. Yes. And they care about everybody. And they just want, especially an abortion doctor who, who will go through all that shit. They'll get shot and they'll get stabbed and they'll return to work. Because it's just too important to them that they keep doing this one thing that helps people. Yeah. Specifically women. Yeah. Like, it's important to remember them. And it's important to educate ourselves, I think, on both sides of that. Yeah. Like, the government has tried to control women's bodies in multiple ways throughout history. And it hasn't worked. Because informed consent is a vital part of bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. And I can only hope that at some point we will get back the right to a safe legal abortion. It will not be as tenuous as it was with Roe v. Wade. <sighs> we should never be. have let it nope. get to that point. That should have been written into the Constitution. Like, that should have been ratified into the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Like, that should have just been locked the fuck down. At any moment that Democrats had the control over both branches of government and, the and like, the presidency, they should have put it in. It's... I just... You know what? 
It's rough out there in these streets. It's rough out there in these streets. You should be like Dr. O'Malley. Yeah. If you have the power to help people, you should utilize it. Yeah. You should be like Jesse in that way too. Yeah. If you are in a position of power, and the thing is like, your position of power, it doesn't need to be on a national scale. Mm-mm. It can I, be small. Yeah. One singular doctor doesn't have power on a national scary, scale usually. They have yep. the power to help only the people they see that day. But mm-hmm. that's enough. That's still enough. One social worker is the same thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you don't have to save everybody. You can just help yep. some people. And that's enough. And you should absolutely also be like Mary and Minnie. Minnie. You should absolutely be like Mary and Minnie. Yeah. Because they were incredibly brave in the face of all that shit that happened to them. 14 and 12. 14 and 12. I mean, and they were put on a national scale. Like that. They didn't ask for any of that. Nope. But they did their best. They did their best. Made a huge difference Mm -hmm. along with everybody around them who chose to make their story known huge yeah just be good to each other please unless someone's trying to take your rights away or telling you that that it was a good thing be good to other people who are good to you yeah (laughs) if they're not good to you you're well within your rights to set them on fire i think that (laughs) legally i should put a disclaimer on that (laughs) I just only because I don't want somebody coming for us because someone set someone else on fire. <laughs> YOLO. YOLO. Uh, <laughs> that's the thought of this podcast. You only have one life to live. Actually, we only have one year to live, probably. <laughs> yep. Yo, <Let's>, yo. <laughs> yo, yo. Let's look <laughs> that means though it means you only year once (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't make any sense yo 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 you only year once you only year once (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ oh please thank you for joining us thank you for i hope that you you know you come back to us we're we are back we are here we are not going to be in a show again immediately we promise no because we literally took a break decisions have been made things have been turned down no you you should absolutely in the meantime before you hear from us again never ever ever forget your can of you know it it's it's gas yes yeah it's gas yeah yeah. Burn this motherfucker to the ground. Burn this motherfucker to the ground. Also, we did announce earlier that we were going to do a fundraiser. Fundraiser. We are still planning that. Yes. Please watch for that announcement. Things have just continually gotten worse and worse and worse. It's hard to know where to put. So money. that's one of those things where it's like, oh shit, this is how. Ha- oh shit, this is. Oh mm-hmm. god. Okay. Yeah. So. This needs support, and this needs support, and this also needs support. We're just going to have to make a choice at some point here. It's just been kind of hard. <laughs> but we will get there. We're going to please watch for that announcement. Yeah. We'll be, we have cool new stickers that Emily created. Yeah. You're going to love it. That'll be fine. All right. We love all of you. And remember. Yo-yo. <laughs> Yo-yo. Yo-yo. <laughs>